Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> Dude, when are we going back to the studio? All right, probably never. Uh, <laughs> Probably never. You got that right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, October 13th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, their sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thanks a lot, unions. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. If you're listening to this at the moment and you own a business or you're a head of a union, like a bigwig or something, you're like, boy, I'd like to get my union or business on that Ben Jarofsky show. Well, hey, we'd love to plug it. Trust me, all right? Reach out to us, Show at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. And we will proudly plug your business. I mean, if it's, you know, a decent business, you know, we'd love to do that. So reach out to us once again, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. ChicagoVotes.com Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. All right, let's do a song of the day. Your song of the day comes from Frank. Kathy gave us a song of the day as well. Kathy, I apologize, but I just have to hear Ben sing this song of the day. Gloria Gaynor, I will survive. Oh, I will survive. Hey, boo boo. Whoa, yeah. Uh, walk out that door. Woo. Uh, walk out that. I love, you know, I, I love that. I was in the disco. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I was in the. Walk out that door. Woo. I didn't it anymore. Weren't you the one who tried to cheat me or whatever? But I do. 
I will survive. Boo doo doo. Boo doo doo. I think Aretha does a, a version of that song. Yeah, as well. uh, a way better one. The Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show starts now. <laughs> It is Tuesday, October 13th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's Murray Briel, it's Heidi Henry, it's hosts of the political podcast, The Heartland Mamas. And now your host... Yeah, what the hell? A political mama. <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump's Not-So-Silent Majority Tuesday. And here's why. Good weekend. You have a good weekend, Dr. D? Yes, I did. I had a great yeah. weekend. And I'll tell you why, folks. I'm going to let you know a little secret about Dr. D's life. He was on the road again. He hey, he stop sharing my secrets to everybody. Shh. <laughs> He was like, on the road again. <laughs> Went back home to his beloved Alton. Hung around. Which is he eat anything special when you were down there, D? You know what I ate. I ate the, the Alton taco. <laughs> Okay, you're not supposed to show that we did pre-show planning. It's well, you, funny you should ask, man. Uh, I had the Alton taco. It's a fried taco. It's delicious. I man, tell you what, you can take the, the, the kid out of Alton, but you can't take the Alton out of the kid. He had a great week. And me, I stayed home. You know, if you were to make a sitcom out of this show, it would be the old Patty Duke show where one cousin went everywhere and the other. Day. So Dennis would be Kathy and I'd be Patty. I actually no, no, I'm Patty. One. I'm Patty. Is Patty the one that stayed at home? I have no clue. Uh, you know, it's like Kathy's only seen the sights a girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. Whoa, what a crazy pair! But they're cousins. That's D. He's like going all around. I'm just hanging at home. Oh, I know that show. Yeah, like the intro, we could do the mirror thing where we look. Looks like we're doing the mirror, right? I know you watch it at Naked. Don't act like you were above the Patty Duke show. I, I could see young Dr. D in about 1991. Ma, ma, Patty Duke's on. Let's go. Okay, honey. Come on, hurry up. But I missed the opening. No, I would see it on Nick at Night, and uh, 10-year-old me would go, Oh, man, this show sucks. And I <laughs> change that on, bad boy. Put on wrestling. Yep. Anyway. So, uh, well, I stayed home, watched basketball. Friday's Heat-Lakers game was one of the greatest games of all time. I hope you guys got a chance to see it. The Heat were victorious, only to lose on Sunday, but still a great game on Friday. I was texting all my friends, oh, my God, this is the greatest game ever. I saw Rada Blanks, the 40-year-old version, D, version. Mm -hmm. oh. Yes, not the 40-year-old virgin, but version. A little play on uh, words there. Excellent flick on Netflix. A Rondo walk to see. It may have to convene Sergio and Danielle to do one of our famous uh, reviews, although I think the Chicago 7 movie is up next on that front. Woke up on Sunday to read a fascinating story in the New York Times about Biden voters in Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, to be specific, uh, Trump country. 
And it's a funny little story, D. They're like a secret society. They're, they don't openly display their support for Joey B. They kind of do it covertly. They have like a secret sign. They, they, they kind of know each other. You know what I'm saying? It's like Joe Dar, you know, Joe Dar. Oh, like it's Radar, like, but Joe Dar. Yeah, it's Joe Dar. Like, oh, you look like a Biden supporter. Shh. And then they flash the peace sign. Yeah, don't tell anyone. That's because everyone around them is letting their Trump flag, uh, freak flag fly. And that got me thinking. Trump is always talking about the silent majority of people in this country who support him. And I'm like, there's nothing silent nor majority about him. Think about it. First of all, let's deal with the silent part. Trump supporters are the noisiest supporters in the world. They like scream their love to Donnie from the top of the mountaintop. They don't hold back. They're not shy. They show their love for Donnie the way teenage girls used to scream for the Beatles. Ah! But in saying, <laughs> instead of saying, Paul, I love you, or John, I love you, or Ringo, look at me, Ringo, it's Donnie, look at me. Grown men crying, pull out their hair. They love Donnie Trump. Sign my baby. <laughs> Donnie could sneeze on them with COVID, and they'd be like, I got his germs. I got Donnie's germs. It's more like Elvis back in uh, Vegas. This is before your time, but you may have seen this on Nick at Night. You know, Elvis would do those shows at Vegas, and he would, like, have the towel around him, and he would rub the sweat on it. Oh, yeah. And he would, like, dangle it, and the, and the people and the women in the audience, throw it to me. I want it. And they would throw his sweaty towel, and they would, <laughs> That's how Trump supporters are. Please, Donnie, sneeze on me. Give me your COVID. Yeah, I'm not cool. I'm not hating on it, D. I'm just saying, you know, as long as uh, they can refrain from like plotting to kidnap governors they don't like, like Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan or uh, Ralph Northam in Virginia, that's the latest. Frank, thanks for sending me that uh, uh, that news brief. That story's breaking. It turns out there was talk of kidnapping Ralph Northam. You know, guys, if you could just refrain from the kidnapping part of your enthusiasm, cheer to your heart's delight. Uh, Dennis was telling me that back home in Alton, I uh, saw Trump signs everywhere oh, he went. Dude. Said MAGA was out, everywhere. MAGA outnumbered like what would you say, ten to one? Like seven uh, to one. Seven to one. That's about right. Because I, I saw the same thing in Michigan when I was in Michigan uh, this summer. And it, the one, the, the ones I got are like the, the, I had to shake my head over. It wasn't like a sign wasn't enough. They had to have a flag. And not like just like a small flag, but like a big flag. I'm like, wow, the big Trump Pence flag, you know? Uh, Trump, of course, in the bigger writing, Pence. Like there was a whole neighborhood with just Trump signs everywhere. Like, guys, who are you trying to convince? I think you're all voting for the same person. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, you're not, it's not like this silent sect of people who are afraid to be seen or heard. You're all out there. You like dominate. <laughs> By the way, D, uh, how was the maps uh, mask situation in Alton this uh, weekend? Uh, it seemed a little better, actually. Like it seemed like I saw a lot more people wearing masks. So wow, yeah, that's encouraging. Way to go, know. Metro East. Yeah, <laughs> doing you're doing your part, Metro East. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So these Trump supporters, uh, they, I know what you're talking about, D. Uh, all over Michigan, with huge flags flying. The sign's not enough. So, yeah, it's like there's nothing uh, silent about them. 
just working that kidnapping thing, all right? Trump supporters. Isn't that funny? Trump's so big on law and order, but not one word about the plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. Then there's the majority part of the statement, you know, the silent majority. They're not the majority either. As I like to point out, and I point out many times, Trump didn't get a majority of the vote in the last election. I hate to break that to you, folks. I hate to remind you that, folks. Or I said it, people go, Ben, the electoral, it's like I never heard of the, oh, wow. You're kidding. Hold on. Go slow now. The electoral. It's like if they repeat something that makes no sense enough, I'll just buy it. You know, it's sort of like Chicago voters explaining why they voted for Ron the second time around. Well, Ben, you know, we need a strong mayor. You know, we, we, we really need a strong mayor. That's why I'm voting for him again. And then they're all crying like within a week. Like, you guys never liked him and you keep voting for him. But at least Trump supporters love him. I don't know many Rom supporters love Rom. Anyway, so yes, he never had a majority. His supporters aren't silent. Uh, and so I'm not really sure what the silent majority is all about. Well, I know what it's all about. There's this theory that I subscribe to. Uh, Dennis subscribes to it as well. Quite a few people uh, believe in this theory. And the theory is that the polls were wrong in 2016 because people lied uh, and secretly voted for Trump because they were ashamed to admit they did. Because they knew in their heart of hearts that he was a doofus and they didn't want people to know that they were voting for the doofus. D, what's that great joke you always tell? Who? Uh, oh, about the hey, dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Voting Donald Trump was like saying, hey, let's let the dog drive for a while and see what happens. Oh, by the way, speaking of, who made that joke? Do you know? No, I don't know. I can't remember which comedian made that joke. I, I have to just say something. This weekend on Saturday Night Live, Bill Burr was the guest host. Did you see this, Dave? Uh, Bill Burr. Were, yeah, Bill Burr. And it was like liberal America discovered Bill Burr. And this is funny because Bill Burr. Uh, he's been a sort of a favorite on this show for a while. Both he and I like we swap Bill Burr stuff. Thanks, hilarious. In the old days, driving in the car. Let's listen to Bill Burr. Ah, uh, the car. Uh, the good old days. Put Bill Burr on the car. But liberal America's like, oh my god, I'm not sure if I'm offended or this is funny. I don't know what to make of this. I'm going to have to talk to Ramon about it. She sent me some text. She, she discovered it. Uh, she was telling me what uh, Twitter was. He offended, apparently he offended white women uh, with some of his comments. <laughs> so, so, of course, uh, like women of color are really happy. They love Bill Burr all of a sudden. I, I just think he's a funny guy. His thing on Steve Jobs is pound for pound one of the funniest and most insightful comic bits I've seen in the last decade. There, I said it. So anyway, I'm glad uh, Liberal America he discovered Bill Burr. It took you a little while. I want to thank Saturday Night Live for bringing it to him. <laughs> uh, Bill uh, Burr, anyway. lunatic. <laughs> I a lunatic, yeah. There's a Bill Burr. It's funny because Bill Burr, what was that? We listened to this a couple times, D. Bill Burr was with Joe Rogan on election night oh, in 2016. Yeah. And it, their election night was so much different than my election night. My election night was people crying, pulling their hair out. They were just having the time of their life. Not, not because uh, I think Bill Burr supported Trump. I'm sure he doesn't. But because <laughs> it was so bizarre. Anyway. That, that cracked. That was this weekend. Shout but, out to uh, Jay Marie. J uh, Jim Gaffigan did the dog driving joke. Thank you. Thank you, Jay Marie. Excellent. 
man, you pulled that. Wow. I gotta give her credit. D, could you uh, uh, send her a car or something like that? Oh, here's a car. Way to look at the internet. <laughs> no, she may have known that. Okay. <laughs> you know, some people know things without looking at the internet. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So the polls were wrong in 2016 because people lied and secretly voted for Trump because uh, they were ashamed to admit they did because they knew he was a doofus. and they wanted to move. You know, I'm starting to think maybe I'm wrong about that theory or maybe I've exaggerated that theory because uh, it sure seems to me that most Trump supporters really don't care if people know that they're Trump supporters else why they wouldn't be wearing MAGA hats. They wouldn't be pounding their chest. They wouldn't be screaming and yelling and loving him. So the real silent majority are those rural Biden supporters who secretly covertly give each other the peace. Shh, don't tell anybody. They're not the majority in Trump country anyway. Apparently it's not safe to be a Biden supporter in Trump country. Some militia man might kidnap you and put you on trial for sedition. That's the funny thing about MAGA. They want to pretend that they're being persecuted when actually they're the ones doing the persecution. We got a great show today, everybody. The Heartland Mamas will be in the house. Speaking of Biden supporters in Trump country, Heidi Henry and Murray Briel got a lot of guts for taking the stands that they take. They're out in red, Illinois, where Trump signs are flying everywhere. Flags are flying everywhere. MAGA, get out of my way, MAGA! Harlan Mamas, man. I love the Harlan Mamas. They'll be talking about Amy Coney Barrett. They'll be talking about life in Trump country. They'll be like, what's it like to be a Biden supporter out there? They'll be talking about uh, QAnon, silent majorities. All kinds of great uh, political topics ahead of us. Uh, Donald Trump took his act on the road again. They'll be talking about that. So a lot of political talk ahead of us before we do that. The young man from Alton just returned from Alton with a taco and a donut. He had a donut when he was down I'll there, I'll bring too. you back an Alton taco next time. I'll mail it to you because, you know, we're distancing yeah, ourselves. I mean, literally have not. Well, I see Dennis every day. I'm looking at him right now. Very handsome young man. But uh, I, haven't literally, I haven't been in the same uh, space as you since June, wasn't it? Wasn't it June? You came uh, by and you picked like, up. No, the, it was like July. Was it July? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I'm looking at him right now. So, yes, anyway. But I uh, haven't seen you. I haven't seen you since July because you don't have a damn camera on your computer. I just see a giant capital B. Wait, hold on. Oh. Here they come. They're coming to take him away. Hi. Oh, to the funny farm. Uh, I want to go back to the fun. studio. Uh, you can never hear sirens in the studio. We were embedded in the middle of the Chicago sun. By the way, they still have that. Have you noticed that on our website? What? Uh, it says the Ben Jarofsky show streams live every day from the Chicago sun time studio. Yeah. Hey, you know, I thought, I thought about changing with ah, You know, it's like, why I'm hoping to be able that it'll be true one day. So, you yeah, know, what I'm saying? It'll, it'll be a big paragraph. Well, they're uh, broadcasting from Dennis's apartment in Ben's attic because <laughs> Dennis went to Alton one time and uh, it's up there. It just gets weird, convoluted, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have a great show ahead of us. A lot of political talk before we do that. The young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie with the news. No one calls me that. 
from Dennis. <laughs> then we got the brown line going on. Can we please get back to the studio? All right. <laughs> uh, also, I said it was Jay Marie who said it was Jim Gaffigan. Uh, sorry, it was Brianna who said that. My apologies. Oh. All right. Um, Where's my well, head at? Send um, both of them cars. Okay? okay. You guys don't get cars. <laughs> Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And we begin with the governor. Illinois is a state with a grand history of profound impact on our nation and our world. We've sent four transformative presidents to the White House. We were the first state to ratify two of the most important amendments to the U.S. Constitution. My God, this man loves the state of Illinois. <laughs> we have no public events scheduled today for our Democratic Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. I guess we're still quarantining. A Pritzker staffer tested positive for COVID-19 a while back, and Pritzker is doing his part in staying the hell away from everyone for a couple of weeks. Our president, Donald Trump, trashed Illinois on Twitter recently, along with other tweets like... New York is going to hell. Vote Trump. <laughs> I haven't heard that that uh, the f- chanting thing in a while. The Trump uh, Twitter feed. We haven't done that one. I love always love that when you would uh, do that. And this tweet. <laughs> yes. California is going to hell. Vote Trump. <laughs> you got that one. <laughs> President Donald Trump said about Illinois. <laughs> Illinois has no place to go. <laughs> Sad, isn't it? <laughs> Switched it up a little bit there. Yeah, you did. I like that. That's oh, the, that's I forgot this Trump part. Rally. I forgot this part. I forgot this part. Vote Trump. <laughs> to Trump at the rally. I like it. It's got the two different Trumps. Yeah, the somber like, Trump and the excited Trump. Air Force One Trump, where he's got to scream because it sounds like a vacuum's going on. All right. Uh, ben, any idea what he means there in regards to uh, Illinois? Uh, you know, if he would have said, Illinois, we're going to hell, I would have understood that. But uh, we have no place to go. What's that mean? I have no idea what you're asking me to explain, Donald. I, I've talked about this in the past. Uh the old days, the editors at the reader, I would be writing a story about TIFFs and I'd get some or anything really from dealing with Mayor Daly's uh, City Hall. And I get some press statement, which made no sense. And the editor would get mad at me. This makes no sense. Well, don't blame me. I didn't vote for the guy. Who'd you vote for, editor? Well, I, we need a strong mayor, Ben. So uh, don't ask me to explain what Mayor Daly is <laughs> getting at. Don't ask me to explain what Mayor Rahm is getting at, and don't ask me to explain what Donnie Trump is getting at, D. By the way, who was that an impression of? Uh, You know, the mayor. uh, Who was that an impression of? (laughs) I don't know. It's just general. No one in particular? No one in particular? Uh, No one. I I get a lot. I I, I get it so much. I was thinking about this just today, D. Like, how many people are always telling me, to be fair. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just, it's a refrain that I've been hearing. Ben, you gotta be fair. I've been hearing that 30 years, ever since Mayor Washington. No one was fair to Mayor Washington, but I always had to be fair. Ben, you gotta be fair. Gotta be fair. Gotta be fair. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Trump, Trump ripped Illinois saying, uh, Illinois has no place to go. Sad, isn't it? Vote Trump. But if you think someone like Trump is going to insult our state like that, and this guy isn't going to respond. Illinois is a state with a grand history of profound impact <laughs> on our nation and our world. Oh, you got another thing coming, baby. <laughs> 
D, whatever you say, I want you to be fair, okay? Governor Pritzker himself fired back at the president with a series of tweets to the POTUS. Ben, listen to this. Here's the tweet from Pritzker himself. Mm. Right. Well, I'm surprised to see someone who slapped his name on a Chicago skyscraper say Illinois has no place to go. I want to offer at real Donald Trump five exciting places to go in the great state of Illinois. That's right. Ben. J.B. Pritzker weighed back and he gave uh, Trump five places in Illinois that he could visit. All right, before we take the deep dive on these five places, and for the record, Dennis told me the five places before the show. I'm letting a cat out of bag. But I can't remember them. Oh, so perfect. Be perfect. Oh, pre-show planning right out the open window. Throw out because I can't remember. I think, oh, I remember one of the places because I don't like going there. Do you went there not too long ago and enjoyed it. it goes okay, you're nice. jumping ahead here, pal. Let's get to number one. Number but one. Let me just say one thing about the uh, that <laughs> sign. Never really, you know, who that grinds my gears. That freaking sign is still there. Donnie Trump, you're always trashing Chicago. They bent over backwards. Our mayor, Rob, you gave him 50 grand. He let you put the sign up. Our most powerful alderman, Eddie Burke, he was your property tax lawyer. Why are you hating on Chicago? You made money in this city. And all these Democrats bent over backwards to accommodate you. Now you trash our city. What a bunch of suckers and saps. We are in the city of Chicago. We elect people that accommodate Donald Trump's needs, and then he trashes us. Anyway, go ahead, D. You jump forward, then you jump backward. All right, let's get to number one here. The five places J.B. Pritzker suggests Donald Trump should go to number one. Number one. All right, here we go. Uh, Pritzker says, uh, but more than likely his campaign. First things first, enjoy a Chicago classic at the one and only Wiener Circle. They have real hot dogs and real talk. All for the price of one. And below, Pritzker posted a picture of the Wiener Circle sign. There's always little signs kind of calling out Trump at the Wiener Circle. Uh, This sign says, person, woman, man, camera, TV, hot dog. (laughs) That is actually pretty funny. (laughs) I have a confession to make, D. I've never been to the Wiener Circle. It was a big thing. You know, I know it's on Clark Street in Chicago for our out-of-town listeners. It was uh, Conan O'Brien. Didn't he always do Wiener Circle bits, right? Yeah, Uh, they did one with uh, Triumph the Insult comic comic dog. It was hilarious. You know your stuff. Uh, So, but I've never been to the Wiener. I know it's the thing to do in Chicago. I've never been to the Wiener Circle. But this this tweet was definitely not written by J.B. Pritzker. Definitely. There's some millennial on his staff that wrote this because making the Wiener Circle be the thing he would do in, in Chicago is a very, like, a millennial thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I don't, you, know, I don't, you don't believe J.B. Pritzker goes, hmm, what would I put at the top of the list? Pause. <laughs> oh, my God, ladies and He does the Pritzker thing and the Rodder thing. Cracks me. Do Rodder. Come on. Do Rodder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So five. Pla- we're doing the five places that JB Pritzker uh, said Donald Trump. Would you put Wiener Circle number one? Would you put ner- uh, this Wiener whole Circle? thing's goofy? No, I, I, yeah, sure. I'd put Wiener Circle number one. How about that? All right. 
Well, it's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's kind of, this, this list is kind of reminding me. Go ahead. All right, on What's to our next two? one. Number two. Pritzker tweeted, if you want to get out of town, take the Amtrak from Union Station all the way to Quincy, Alton, or Carbondale. You might even run into at Joe Biden, who actually rides Amtrak. Uh, all right, first of all, uh, you, I thought they were going to say you might even run into Dr. D. Yeah. Oh, Trump. <laughs> I can't imagine Trump on Amtrak, D. But that's good. That's a good suggestion. Although I remember back in the day in the late 80s, uh, the, there were businessmen and politicians who said we need Meg's Field because Amtrak was too slow. Remember that? Uh, that was before your time, D. We had an airport on the lake, Meg's Field. And we need Meg's Field to get to Springfield because Amtrak's too too slow somehow or other. We've survived. So, yeah, yeah, shout out for Amtrak. Let's do a better job of funding Amtrak. How is Amtrak, D? Is it? Is oh, it's it not bad. Or, not bad? Yeah, yeah. I, I've gone a few times now. I feel okay. Just keep my mask on. Uh, it seems like nobody's sitting right next to each other, so that's good, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, seems seems fine. You know, moves, moves along just like it always did. Well, um, since Trump doesn't believe uh, that he has to wear a mask, it might be a little problematic if he gets on Amtrak without the mask. Particularly now, Donnie's like, I'm going to share my virus with everyone. So maybe not a good idea, Donnie, to take Amtrak for at least another six months. On to the third place that Donald Trump should visit in Illinois, according to J.B. Pritzker. And yeah, it was his staff. Number three. Things don't seem to be going your way so much. You may need to scream into a canyon. Starved Rock State Park has more than 13 miles of trail that are open all year long. Starved Rock State Park. Yes, this is the one I remember. That's the one I remember from our pre-show production meeting where Dennis told me about this. I couldn't remember any of the others. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of Starve Rock. Please don't kick me out of the state of Illinois for making that confession. Dennis, on the other hand, enjoys Starve Rock. He was there about a month ago, right? Yeah, it was really Starve cool. Rock. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was cool. Like, so, we got there yeah. early, uh, you know, because, you know, pandemic and all. We got there early. You know, it wasn't too crowded. Everybody was spaced out. It was cool. Uh, then after about 2 o'clock, it looked like a Van Halen concert. And I'm like, all right, I gotta, we got to get the hell out of here. Let's go. Let's go. Jump. It's the only Van Halen song. And jump. Go ahead and jump. Jump. All right. So Starved Rock State Park. That's uh, number three. Our number four place that Donald Trump should visit in Illinois, according to Governor J.B. Pritzker. Oh, I didn't load the number. Up. Number four. four. <laughs> Oops. Let's rewind that one on the podcast. Uh, I'll be editing that one. Uh, Looking for what real presidential leadership looks like? Visit our capital city of Springfield to see Honest Abe's home. An adjective that will never be used to describe you. You know, that was funny. That was good. Whoever wrote this, that was good. The Wiener Circle thing, uh, a little too Ferris Bueller, all right? You know, uh, but that was good. Honest Abe, an adjective. No, nobody, even MAGA can't believe that Donald Trump's honest. All you right. know, I just, I just thought a dishonest Trump. There you go. That's good, Dean. All right. We're listing the five places that Donald Trump should visit uh, in Illinois. And we've made it to the last one. Number five. And while you're in Springfield, you might want to visit the old state capitol, where at Barack Obama announced his historic run for the presidency. 
Very good. Nothing annoys Donald Trump more than uh, hearing the name Barack Obama. He is uh, trying to strip away your health care just because it's called Obamacare. He's got Amy Coney Barrett ready, lined up to make the crucial decision while she tells the judges, while she tells the senators, I have not made up my mind. I'm a judge. You know, whatever I say in real life just disappears when I go to the bench. God, how can they say these things? They're so obviously not true. And they're so obviously insincere. Anyway, Dave, you said Obama. I thought of Obamacare. I thought when I said I thought of Obamacare, I thought of how Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the vote that uh, the Republicans need to get rid of Obamacare, taking away uh, whatever protection people have, like with a precondition. Uh, and uh, so just want to say that, folks, dangerous times right now in America, even if Joe Biden wins this election, the Republicans will control the Supreme Court. So anyway. That's what I think about when I think about Obama, Dave. So there you go. J.B. Pritzker feeling himself on Twitter there, listing the five places that Donald Trump should go visit if uh, ever in Illinois. I thought of a place, Ben. He should go uh, eat. Uh, Donald Trump should go eat chicken wings at the Cobra Lounge. We walk by the we used to walk by the Cobra Lounge there on Ashland. Oh, yeah, we did. We walked by the co- very good memory yeah. for a while. I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. Co- I never had the chicken there. Oh, the chicken wings are awesome uh, at the yeah. Cobra Lounge. Oh, yeah. See, I, I'm not like one of those Chicago guys. I mean, I've lived here since 1981, but you know what I'm saying, D? Like, people in Chicago, well, this is what you have to do when you're in Chicago. I've just never, I mean, I would say walk along the lake and either smoke a doobie or mm. remember the good days when you were smoking them. But I can't see Donald Trump walking along the lake and just hanging out at the rocks. You know, to me, that's my favorite part of Chicago. But other than that, I don't really... Oh, man, they're going to kick me out of this. It's not like there's a place in Chicago. Yeah, that's that's Chicago, my sweet home of Chicago. I just don't have a place like that. They're going to kick me out of this town, D. Yeah, you're out of here, pal. You're out of here. By the way, the tweet below from J.B. Pritzker uh, on J.B. Pritzker's Twitter feed, it says, fun fact, Illinois is the number one pumpkin producing state in the nation. Like I said, the man loves Illinois. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. The first cell phone was invented here. So was the first television remote control. Maybe a little too much. Yeah, he loves Illinois. God bless him. I, you know what? I'm a JP. I, over the weekend, I had a, several conversations with a person who remained anonymous who was really trying to turn me against JB Pritzker. And I realized, D, that I'm kind of like. A Pritzker fan. And it's partly your fault because you will play these things and you hear Pritzker doing those fun facts about Illinois. There's just something about the guy. I can't dislike him. You know, remember when he's on the show and he, I, you could tell I irritated with my questions. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, like, I didn't flip flop, Ben. Come on. <laughs> he I didn't flip like, flop really mad at whoever it was that talked him into coming on the show in the first place. Susanna Mendoza. It was Susanna Mendoza. It was she Susanna Mendoza. She was one. Of, he was like, oh, thanks a lot for nothing, Susanna. <laughs> even, th- even then, I kind of like the guy. You know, he's a likable guy. So I'm glad he's, I'm really glad he's our governor as opposed to the last one, Bruce Rauner. That's for sure. Shout out to Roe on the live stream chat. And I want to know as well, why doesn't Ben like Starve Rock? It's a great question, Roe. And it's been a long time since I've been there, but it was kind of like, Row Row, I'm going to share this with you, but just pretend it's you and me uh, here talking. You're now Row Row, by the way. I called you Row Row. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Ro. No, I didn't call him Ro. Ro. I. So it's like there's something about Starve Rock that I thought there were crazy people there, and I think it's because many years ago a body was found in Starve Rock, and so I know that's not fair to Starve Rock, Ro. But the whole time I was there, I was worried about a body being found, and this is a thing. Um, we talked about this with Mark Garano, uh, who uh, the journalist from Washington Post came on the show uh, testifying to the greatness of John Prine. John Prine wrote a song, the great singer, writer, songwriter, John Prine died not too long ago uh, about this, like these, these murders, these bizarre murders that have taken place in rural Illinois. It's also the case in uh, Wisconsin. I think there was a book called Death Trip, Wisconsin, or something like that. And it's all about these really weird, twisted people who live in the boonies of Illinois and Wisconsin and commit bizarre, ritualistic murders. I know it's kind of deep and dark. Kind of smoking us out here. Happy Halloween, listeners. Woo! (laughs) Norman Bates. You ever see Psycho D? One of the greatest movies of all time. Long, long time ago. Oh, jeez, I've seen it, I don't know, at least a dozen times. Great, what a great movie. It really gets into, about the, like the, like the twisted demons that exist in the psyche of quote-unquote normal Americans. So when I go to a Starve Rock, I've only been there, I think, once or twice, maybe. I'm like, this is where weird people are, like, in the, on the footpaths, you know? And I'm, like, walking through the trees. My, uh, my wife's like, oh, it's so beautiful here. And I'm like... Can we go home? This is we're all alone in the woods. There's some weirdos out here. Norman Bates. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. I just bared my soul there, D. Why I don't like Starved Rock? These weirdos in the woods of Starved Rock. Ask and you shall receive on the Ben Jarofsky show, okay? I probably have more in common with Donald Trump than people realize. I bet you Donald Trump wouldn't want to go to Starved Rock in a million freaking years, D. <laughs> It's just sad to say I got more in common with Donnie Trump. You know, I don't like golf. He loves golf. So we don't have that in common. Well, shout out to Kyle. Kyle gave um, his own five places in mm-hmm. Illinois, uh, outside Chicago metro area, I guess, that Trump should visit. Cahokia Mounds, right outside St. Louis. I used to take field trips there when I was a kid. Uh, Galena, Illinois. Uh, Round Barns at U of I in Champaign, Black Hawk Statue in Oregon, Illinois, and Cave in the Rock on the Ohio River. Have you, I've, I've been to Galena, I was in Galena once. You know, I'm, I guess I'm just stuck in the Chicago. I like Evanston and Skokie and Chicago and don't really get out much. D. Oh, you can it's take the guy out of the Evanston. city, but you can't take the city out of the guy. Am I right? Uh, anyway. All right. Moving on. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Right now, the mayor is in City Hall to announce Teach Chicago Tomorrow. It's a new initiative to bring additional talented, diverse teachers to CPS classrooms. I'm sure we will have details on this initiative, like are these additional teachers from Chicago? Be great if they were, but we'll have those details shortly. Ben, good news. Maybe your least favorite 2020 presidential candidate recently wrote a book. Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. (laughs) (laughs) And and he will be joining our Chicago mayor for an interview to talk about it. Yes. Mayor Pete's new book is titled Trust. America's Best Chance. And according to the event's website, this virtual conversation will cover trust and distrust in the turbulent moment for American democracy. Ben, what do you think of that title? Trust. America's Best Chance. Uh, Well, 
I feel as though that when somebody proclaims trust, it's like screaming, don't trust me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, D? It's like a little too much attention to trust. By the way, I just got to go back to that. Uh, are you going to have details at the end of the show about that initiative? Because I saw the headline in the paper about that initiative. I had a smile. If you stick around Chicago long enough, folks, you see everything go around in a circle. So now there's not enough uh, black teachers in the city of Chicago. And, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, there was this push. The lefties I knew, and I'll, I'll not put their names in the, in the, they probably don't want to be named, <laughs> be affiliated with a guy like me. But anyway, uh, and they were really pushing uh, uh, the Board of Education and Mayor Rahm to try to hire more teachers from the city. I think it was like the homegrown teacher program. It may have been started under Mayor Daly, uh, this initiative, and then kept under Rahm. And Daly and Rahm, like, oh, it doesn't matter. We don't need homegrown. Let's get the cheapest, youngest teachers we can and just throw them in a classroom. They'll burn out in two years, go to law school, and we'll call it a day. And now it's like, oh, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. They had this test that they make t- prospective teachers take. It was the most ridiculous test in the world. It was like the SAT. That had nothing to do with being a good teacher. And I, and I say this as a guy, I was terrible at tests. So if they judged what I could do in life by how I did on a test, I wouldn't, I, they wouldn't let me do anything. So... The notion that a standardized test could determine whether someone was a good teacher was absurd. And yet the Tribune was talking about it. We got to get tough. Rauner was talking. We got to get tough on these teachers. Make them take this test. Now suddenly we have a shortage of black teachers in the city of Chicago. And uh, the mayor there is bending over backwards for an initiative to get more black teachers in Chicago. I just have to shake my head, D. You know, just like the circle, more things change, the more they stay the same. All right. And uh, about this Mayor Pete here, wrote a book. What are, oh, the, Mayor what, Pete. what are the chances you're getting that book, huh? <laughs> I asked Dennis this before the show uh, about Mayor Pete. All last summer, uh, when I uh, got it's great memories. It's funny at the time, it didn't seem so great, but now it just seems like a great memory. We're in the, our beloved studio at the Sun Times. There were Democratic debates, like I don't know, seemed like once every other week, maybe once every third week. Uh, and there'd be so many candidates out there, they'd have to do the debates on two nights. And so I would rank my favorite candidates. And Mayor Pete was making a name for himself. A lot of millennials are like, oh, no, no, that's not true. Old people love Mayor Pete. People of my generation, boomers, love Mayor Pete. And I never went for him. And I said, D, was there ever a time when Mayor Pete was in my top five? Because they would do that top five. And he goes, no. And it's pretty clear that Mayor Pete was my least favorite of all those candidates. And that includes that goofy congressman from Ohio who wanted to take away, who was so upset about health care for all. I'm blanking on his name. I could see his face. Oh, he was nice. Uh, (laughs) You remember him? Yeah, he was a sweetie. Tim something. Tim Scott. Tim Scott, a uh, uh, Republican senator from the state. Oh, yeah, South yeah. It's Carolina. Not, sorry. Okay, Tim something. I don't know. Tim something. I don't know. Uh, and uh, uh, who was the <laughs> other one that never made? Oh, the Blasio. 
He was so annoying. Remember de Blasio yelling, trying to make a name. Why were you even running? No one even likes you in New York where you're from. Why are you running? Oh, yeah. He is so unlikable. And Bloomberg. You know, uh, yes, Bloomberg's that short moment. Oh, my. Until Elizabeth Warren eviscerated him. That was already in this year, believe it or not, before the pandemic. So Mayor Pete never was ahead of Bloomberg and de Blasio. Tim, uh, Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan. Very good. Did you look that up? That's a shout out to Frank. Frank, good job. That's, I'm writing it down. So Tim, you got to give me credit for remembering the Tim part. Uh, and I got to give Frank credit. Yeah, Tim Ryan, he was the one who said he was going to fight health care for all because he was standing up for the health care plans that unions had negotiated for. And I didn't know anybody who wouldn't rather have the money. I was like, huh. Uh, I'm paying $2,000 a month for my health care plan. You could have the government pay for that plan and give me the $2,000. But no, I want to keep my plan. Democrats are so timid. I know I got to be aboard the Democratic Party right now. I got to really be all about Joe Biden. I know that, D, but they're so timid. Timid Ryan. Oh, you like that? They're so timid. (laughs) So afraid. <sighs> They're so afraid. Oh, I'd have a I had mainstream Dems on this show, D. They'd come up, Ben, you're pushing too far. Voters in Wisconsin and Michigan aren't ready to jump aboard that bandwagon, okay? All right. Tim anyway, Ryan. Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan. But I don't believe uh, Pete was ever ahead of Tim Ryan. You know? What about Tulsi Gabbard? I don't think uh, Pete was ever ahead of Tulsi, D. Um, who else was running? Do you remember? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, Andrew Yang. Oh, I always liked Yang. He was always around the top five. John Hickenlooper. You forgot him. He was running. I'm doing this on the top of my head. Give me credit. The, uh, now he's running for senator. Should have been running from senator from Colorado all along. In fact, Tim Ryan should be running for senator from Ohio. I don't even know if there's a senatorial race in Ohio, D, but he should be running anyway. The interview, Man, so many. the interview with Mayor Pete hosted by Lori Lightfoot will be a pre-recorded event and it will premiere on YouTube on Friday, October 16th, this Friday at 2 p.m. Registered guests will receive the link to watch via email before the premiere and can join in at any time. Ben, you've been interviewing people for years now. Uh, Any tips that you can maybe give the mayor when she's talking with the mayor, Pete? Well, there's two mayors when it comes to interviews, D. One doesn't need any tips from me. Uh, There's the aggressive mayor who finds her inner prosecutorial tone. And that was the mayor who interviewed, if you recall, Mayor Pete, I think it was back in Iowa, uh, in December or so. I don't know if you remember that interview. We played a lot of it where she was confronting him on uh, non-disclosure agreements and why his old company would not release people from their non-disclosure agreements. Uh, and, and his response to that was along the lines of habita, habita, habita. <laughs> she was growing him good. And then there's the, the happy Lori Lightfoot, the one who interviewed <laughs> um, uh, Hillary Clinton. And, uh, and then I just can still <laughs> ask her some softball question. And then you hear Hillary Clinton goes, good question, mayor. Good question. I love that. So, you know what? I'm hoping she ditches the happy go lucky, uh, Hillary Clinton interviewing uh, mayor and becomes the aggressive prosecutorial P 
Pete Buttigieg. But I got a feeling they're all on the same page these days. And so we're going to go. Mayor Pete, I love this first chapter, trust. Let's talk about <laughs> trust in America. Good How question. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. <laughs> Do the twist the arm bit, Lori. Come on. You're good at that one, Ben, right? Yeah, come on. Twist it. <laughs> no. Good question, Mayor Pete. Good question, Madam Mayor. Brilliant question, if I may. So, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a love fest, that interview. More Mayor Lightfoot news. The mayor was featured in a 2020 presidential candidate ad. And surprise, it's not for Donald Trump. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> In an ad featuring 13 black mayors from across uh, from across the country voicing support for Biden, Mayor Lightfoot can be seen sporting Joe Biden's signature aviator glasses. Uh, you saw the video, right, Ben? Yes, I saw it. I was sent to me by a big fan who will remain anonymous of Lori Lightfoot. Uh, I got this video last Thursday, I want to say. Last Thursday. Uh, 20 years of the butter cow. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I got it. Right, it was not bad. It was fun. I liked it. Well, it I got to cool. say, I think fun. this Joe Biden for president ad is my favorite candidate campaign ad in the election thus far. No BS. Very creative. It seems authentic. I kind of like it. It's positive. Uh, all the right elements for me to like a political ad here. So I have the audio. Uh, I also have the list of mayors that are in the ad. Uh, we're going to quiz. <laughs> we're going to quiz our host Ben Jarofsky here and see how much he knows. Frank, help me keep track, and we'll see how he did. All right. So we have thirteen mayors here. The thirteen. Ma- thirteen mayors are featured wow. in this ad. Yes. Yes. You're, you're kidding. Nope. Thirteen. Thirteen. Thir- thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> 2010, 13, 13 mayors. 19, 22, the butter cow. 13 mayors featured in the ad. Uh, the first mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms of Atlanta. Nice. That's right. Uh, we have London Breed of. Oh, uh, I, I love London Breed. London Breed. I love the name. And London Breed is from San Francisco. And, and like, for the longest time, I thought it was a joke. I know this is weird, it's a, or like a mistake. London Breed. Uh, so one day I started reading about her, uh, and I read about her. You know, rising through the ranks to become mayor of San Francisco. That London like Breed a, sounds like a badass wrestler. Uh, London Breed <laughs> of San Francisco. We have Mayor V. Lyles of. Uh, um. Just take a guess. It's fine. Uh, no, uh, I, I um, V. Lyles is the mayor. She's in North Carolina. Um, uh, Buzz I City? Buzz there. City? Um, oh, Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> nice. Uh, we got Muriel Bowser of. Oh, come on. That's uh, Washington. But Trump hates her. Why? It's from Washington, D.C. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have Latoya Cantrell. Mayor of uh, La- Latoya Cantrell is the mayor of New Orleans. Nice, you're doing very well here. Uh, mayor Lightfoot, mayor of. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so yeah, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago, Wiener Circle, back out of town. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's day off. Let's go to Ridley Field. We got Mayor Michael Tubbs of Michael Tubbs. Um, that's okay. I have no idea. It's all right. You're doing well. You're doing well. We got Mayor Steve Benjamin of 
Peoria. Columbia, South Carolina. By the way, uh, Michael Tubbs was Stockton, California. Wow, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, Randall Woodfin, mayor of... I have no idea. Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, I did hear of him. Interesting. I just read an article about him about... Uh, was it about a month ago? Yeah. Interesting mm-hmm. that you know more of the black female mayors than the black male mayors. It seems like well, the because, black male mayors aren't getting love here. Well, uh, Donald Trump has uh, targeted most of the. First of all, London Breed is a name that just jumps out at you. You know what I'm saying? And so that's how I know her. And I don't believe Donald Trump has uh, bashed her. But uh, the other ones, uh, Mayor Bowser and uh, Mayor Bottoms, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, Donald Trump was ripping them D at various times. And so that's how I, hey, isn't that weird? I've got my knowledge by who Donald Trump trashes. Uh, that just shows you how much power this man has in this country right now, how much influence, how much influence and reach he has. Uh, he doesn't, if you notice this, he loves bashing black women. And this has been commented on many times, so I'm not, I know I'm not the first saying this, but he loves uh, bashing uh, black women. I'm sure he has an instinctive notion. I don't even think he needs, you know, any kind of poll to tell him this. He just has an instinctive notion that that goes over well with uh, MAGA. And so uh, he's, he's always ripping uh, black women. And so uh, Bottoms, Bowser, and Lori Lightfoot. Uh, I don't think he's ever gone after London Breed. Who's the mayor of Portland? I'm blanking on his name. It's a man. It's oh, not yeah. a black woman. Uh, he, uh, the mayor of Portland and the mayor of Minnesota, both white men, Donald Trump uh, has gone after them, criticized them, but he doesn't like, personify that. Ted Wheeler like, really... is the mayor of Portland. What did you say? Ted Wheeler. How did you know that? The internet. Okay, <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> that was fast. Yeah, you're right. Uh, tear gas Ted. Remember they, the uh, Antifa protesters called him tear gas Ted? And at one point he joined the protesters. God damn, this summer was crazy. And the, the mayor Dude. of uh, Minneapolis was Jacob Frey. It still is. Yeah, yes, still Jacob is, Frey. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Frey. And so Trump, Trump never really bashed them by name. Uh, like he did... Uh, Bottoms and uh, Bowser. Oh, God, he can't stand Bowser because she was the one who painted Black Lives Matter in the street outside the White House. Really irritated him. Oh, did that get to him? Ooh, he's mad. <laughs> also featured in the ad, we're done with the trivia. Melvin Carter of St. Paul, Minnesota. Michael Hancock of Denver, Colorado. LeVar Stoney of Richmond, Virginia. And Sylvester Turner, mayor of Houston, Texas. Now let's hear the ad featuring all of these mayors in support of one. Joey B. Joe Biden. Black women have always been on the front lines for social justice. It's what we do. We organize, make phone calls, and yes, we run, run for office. office. All while being fly. We stand up, stand up to systemic racism, fight for health care and justice for all. all our citizens, and use our power, our right, our responsibility. Black women, let's vote. Vote, vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Your, Your turn, turn fellas. fellas. OK, 
Okay. Okay. We, we got, got this. this. Fellas, <laughs> brothers, we've heard our sisters, our mothers, our wives and daughters cry out for equality. 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 All across this country. And now it's our turn. Our responsibility. To take our power back. Black women vote more than black men. And it's time we change that. Don't give your power away. Every single vote counts in this election. Show up. Show out. And, and vote. vote for, for Joe, Joe Biden, Biden and Kamala Harris. I know that's a very good ad. Yeah, the uh, it was a good ad. Uh, by the way, so those are all black mayors, and the uh, the only one I knew of the men was Sylvester Turner from Houston. The I confession time, uh, but um, there was a funny bit. I think I told you about this. I sent it to Stacey Davis Gates to get her comment. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel did this bit. Did you see the thing that I sent it to you, D? No, you told me I don't about know it. If I, I told you. Yeah, so um, Donald Trump, one of his more outrageous claims uh, that he made in 2016 was that by the end of his four years in office 95 percent of black america black voters in america would be supporting him 95 percent okay uh i have always believed that the estimated eight percent who allegedly voted for him uh in 2016 was high i believe uh that the pollsters didn't do a very good job of weeding out people who were telling fibs about who they voted for uh, but uh, Eddie, I've always believed that based on voting results in Chicago's black wards, uh, that the, it's closer to about 2% of the black vote went for Donald Trump. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was 2016. So Jimmy Kimmel, they, he sent some uh, comedian on, on the street and they did uh, man and women interviews on the street uh, for black people in Los Angeles, uh, asking them if they intended to vote for Donald Trump. But it was very funny. Not one of them. Uh, said he or she was going to vote for Donald Trump. But then they went further and said they didn't know any uh, black people uh, who were going to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, but we'll see what Donald Trump does. It's so successful. Got to give him credit in a perverse sort of way. Gets in the minds of liberals and lefties and just plays with their brains. So he'll take maybe, I don't know how many people he had, like let's say 20 black people, and he puts them on the White House lawn. This is uh, last Saturday's, his uh, rally on Saturday at the White House. And the camera shows them uh, enthusiastically cheering Trump and wearing their Donald Trump T-shirts. And then, uh, you know, people around America, Biden supporters, like, oh, my God, black people are voting for Donald Trump. I don't even know if those 20 people are in the White House lawn are going to vote for Donald Trump. Anyway, shout out to Jimmy Kimmel. That's a funny bit, D. Wish I thought of it. All right. So uh, that was the ad there featuring all of the mayors uh, repping Joe Biden. Uh, ben, we got a, we got some more news here. What do you say? You, you, should we take a break and play the, the uh, do the rest of the news later? And, and after we talk with the Heartland Mamas, or do you want to just run this news through now? Wow. An executive decision to be made by me on the just like just sitting right here. Well, let's take a break and let me, before we go to the Heartland Mamas, give a shout out to Babs. Okay. Um, it writes a lot of good stuff on my Facebook wall. A lot of it's given me uh, a hard time uh, for my love for Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and I try to read uh, Babs' comments whenever I can because they're pretty insightful, even if I disagree with them in some cases. But um, he had one, he's been on a crusade. Okay, it all started when we were talking about the uh, Columbus statue and people taking it down. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm not Italian-American, so I don't know if I get a say in any of this, but I could think of a lot of uh, Italian-Americans 
who are more worthy of being honored by a statue than Columbus. Christopher Columbus wasn't even Italian-American. And uh, Babs weighed in immediately, says he is Italian-American. And uh, he said, Mother Caprini, uh, who is like a, like a saintly figure, in my opinion, the great, she's an immigrant to this, uh, from Italy to this country in the 19th century and stood up for uh, the rights of immigrants and the poor and just a really courageous moral person. Uh, and Babs has been championing her to be uh, sort of the, the celebrated figure uh, once a year for Italian-American pride. And it turns out that great minds think alike. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, I know Babs probably a little to the left of Andrew Cuomo, but uh, agrees with him. And they unveiled a statue in New York uh, to, uh, celebrating um, Mother Cabrini. Cabrini Green, if you know, remember the old uh, housing project in Chicago was named for her. So uh, Mother Cabrini, I would say Vito Marcantonio Babs, uh, he was a leftist. You can look him up. O- only an old lefty like me would re- uh, remember him. And I only knew him because my parents were old lefties and they talked about him. Uh, he was a leftist back in the 30s and the 40s, a lawyer. He ran for Congress. And uh, he, re- he represented uh, in court uh, uh, Du Bois when the government tried to exile him. So he would be the guy I'd put up. But there's so many. Got to go in sports. Just sports alone, Vince Lombardi, Rocky Graziano, Rocky Marciano, Joe Dimaggio. That's just sports. Any of them are better than Christopher Columbus. So, Babs, thanks for uh, the shout-out for Mother Cabrini. You were ahead of your time on that one. Hey, be like Babs. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show on social media, at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, at gmail.com. Uh, send us a message. If you would like us to read your message on the program, leave your name and where you're from. It's very helpful. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Send us a voicemail. Damn it, we haven't had a voicemail in a long time. We would love to hear from you. All right, we're going to pause it here. Uh, Coming up after our interview with the Heartland Mamas, we have two more candidate campaign ads, and they're local. Yes, it will be a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Oh, and the brown line coming in right on time. That was awesome. But it actually isn't because it's coming up after our interview with the Heartland Mamas. Don't go anywhere. It is the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in his attic. The Heartland Mamas on the way.
believe me? Well, consider these facts. The first cell phone was invented here. So was the first television remote control. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. It was about two years ago that I met uh, Heidi Henry. Uh, she was running for state senate in the 38th district, and let's um, get these memories back. In those days, <laughs> we would take the show on the road and go out to the boonies. I call it the boonies, uh, Heidi. You would always correct me, uh, and uh, we. I, I was stunned. You know, in the midst of Trump country, here was this woman who was unabashed New Deal Democrat. And it just fired me up. And I've loved Heidi Henry ever since. And it was through <laughs> Heidi that I met her partner in crime, Murray Brio, uh, another New Deal Democrat out in the boonies. And I tell you, folks, it's easy or easier to be a lefty liberal in the city of Chicago than to be a lefty liberal out in Trump country. That's for freaking sure. So I got a lot of love and respect for the Heartland Mamas. Welcome back, uh, ladies, to uh, the show. Heidi Henry and Marie Briel, it's great to see you. You guys look great. Thanks so much for having us, Ben. uh, Marie, before I get started, why don't you just tell everybody who the Heartland Mamas are and how they can hear them? Absolutely. Well, the Heartland Mamas are a progressive political podcast. We started when Heidi and I met, like Ben was saying, on the campaign trail. Heidi and I became good friends, and we shared the same beliefs and ideals. And after the elections rolled out, we were really frustrated, particularly with the media, because they talked over and over about the heartland and about how, you know, everybody here is a redneck, conservative, rust belt. They just didn't understand. And Heidi and I have been all over the Midwest and where yep. we knew that's not who we were. So the genesis became, hey, we need some women to control some things, some mamas, because the guys haven't, no offense, guys, you haven't done a great job in 200 years. <laughs> so maybe it's time to flip it around. And so we are mamas and we're like, you know what? We need to do this. So we started Heartland Mamas to spread the progressive message to areas that may not get it. We do series where we feature issues both locally and nationally. We talk history. So it's been a wonderful experience. And we are on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Facebook Live, and all of our podcasts are up on all your favorite platforms and YouTube. All right. Very good. Uh, We'll start uh, since uh, you mentioned the Heartland. I'll start with you, Heidi. Uh, Right now, as we speak, the Amy Cody uh, Barrett hearings are going on in the Senate. Uh, They're rushing to confirm her to fill the vacancy created by Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. Uh, And what they do, let's talk about this. They promote her as a Heartland mama. I mean, uh, they're promoting her as like the voice of middle America, the voice of the real America, and that if any Democrat dares to be against her, they're somehow or other uh, insulting people from areas like yours. Uh, What's your take on all this? Well, you know, Amy Coney Barrett 
is she's a mama and she's from this area that does not mean that she is uh, the voice of most people in this country and certainly not the voice of most women. We know her stance on uh, the abortion issue and we also know how that's going to negatively impact all of us down the road. Not just women, but men as well. When you deny an entire gender the right and control over their entire body, it goes it, it affects everybody, okay? It affects every single one of us. And women can be part of the white male patriarchy, part of the, the colonialism that we've been fighting for the last 500 years, just as easily as men can. It, it's like black people that support Trump. You, you can't figure out why. Why would a woman have this position where, yeah, it's okay to regulate a man's body based on a parable from the Bible to explain creation. You know, I was a Sunday school teacher for 18 years. We always taught Adam and Eve as a parable, you know, <laughs> but that could be the Episcopalian in me and I keep thinking by that parable women keep getting inundated with all of this whore Madonna stuff all the time and that is Amy Comey Barrett in a nutshell so we're neither whore nor Madonna and we deserve the autonomous rights over our own body she is outrageous she is outrageous wait before we go uh, to get Murray's uh, got some thoughts you want to say just talk about the whore Madonna uh, issue that you just raised. This is this is one of Murray's of my favorite threads because in the Bible, uh, in white male society, in in society, women are either uh, the whore you sleep with or the Madonna you bring home to mother. Right? There's nothing in between. There's no place for us in between. So we're either shamed for having a sex life, like Sasha yeah, uh, or we are idolized for being virginal when no man really wants that either, unless you're Epstein. So we can't be either or. So we're stuck. Women have been a pawn in politics, a vote getter, uh, um, income you know, a donation bringer for far too long. And without the uh, codification of Roe v. Wade, we continue being this pawn. So it's the whore Madonna pawn that every woman falls into. We can't escape that. And take it even a step farther, Heidi, the initial concept, of course, was whore Madonna. You know, you're Mary Magdalene or you're the Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus. Right. But it goes farther than that. It's it's been taken to a level in popular culture where it's the demonization of any woman who doesn't exhibit the virginal purity of Mother Teresa. Someone who has birds flitting around their head, speaks softly to angels and dips her head to the men as they walk by. So the the, the categories have expanded and basically that's anybody who, any woman who dares to have an opinion is a whore and those that follow quietly are Madonnas and that's the paradox word. It's since Eve and the apple and the Garden of Eden, all of that, it's the blaming of women that is part of the underpinnings of our society when we don't deserve that. We deserve a fair shake at everything. And Heidi, you mentioned something, and Ben, I'm sorry to jump in here, but you said something too. And And when we were first talking, I was introducing Heartland Mamas and telling you about the genesis of it. And that relates to Amy Coney Barrett it very much so and and that is because uh Heidi's laughing over there um it, it is because we're put into 
we said we started this because we need more women. We need more female voices. And Amy Comey Barrett fits that. And I'm going to tell you, I've listened to all of the judicial confirmation hearings since Knucklehead has been in office, Tangerine Toddler, Typhoid Trump, since he's been in office. And by far the most competent, competent, intelligent and articulate judge that's been up is the woman. Do right. I agree with her? Do I think Heidi's right? I think Heidi is totally right. She is going to go conservative on issues that are very important. But of all the judicial candidates, Knucklehead in D.C. has appointed, this yeah. one's smart. She's well-spoken. It's just a shock. Anything coming out of Washington that's intelligent. <laughs> well, I have, uh, there was an article uh, in the uh, an essay in the Chicago Tribune today, and this I don't know if you by chance saw it, uh, but it was written by a English professor at Notre Dame, a colleague of Amy uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett, and he was arguing something that, of course, she will never agree to in a million freaking years. But she was uh, he was arguing that from an ethical standpoint, she should not allow herself to be used this way. She not should not be allowed uh, to be used as this pawn uh, mm-hmm. in this political right wing game to seize control of the Supreme Court right. uh, in, on the, in the midst of an election cycle and that uh, she should say, no, I, I'm going to withdraw my name. Now, in a million freaking years, Heidi and Murray, you know that no ambitious judicial no. candidate, and if you're at this stage of your career, you are, by definition, no matter how much you try to present yourself as the Madonna, you are ambitious because right, you couldn't yes. have gotten as far in life to be this prestigious uh judge and university law professor if you didn't have ambition. Uh, But what do you think of that argument? How do you think that argument plays in your neck of the woods? I read the same exact thing that you did, Ben, and I read that and I thought, no, this woman has fought tooth and nail to get where she is, and she's not going to give up her position. Now, she may not hold that position for other women to succeed, and this is a problem sometimes in any corporate setting. And you have to say that that the Supreme Court is the ultimate corporate setting, right? So, and in politics, in every, you're right, every yeah. facet of society, and it is particularly egregious in corporate and politics. You're spot mm-hmm. on, Ivy. Well, and she's not going to give this up. I mean, it's like it's like bringing me a big cheesecake and saying, you know, you, you should give this up because of your weight. You know, it will never happen. So I, I, I say the same thing. She's not going to give it up. She's not going to take that high road. As Democrats, we always say, oh, she should take the high road. He should take the high road. And you know what? Uh, Democrats might. Republicans are never going to do that. Never. And she is a Republican. Did, did anybody ever consider that maybe taking the high road didn't mean maybe it meant something different? I mean, we know that, you know, Barack Obama had imbibed cannabis. Take the high road. I think if you're high, you can handle the stupidness of the low road. It could be. I'm saying nobody was specific. Uh. I uh, always, always want to take uh, the high road uh, in life, Murray, on that, uh, if you're talking about that kind of high. Um, all right. Now, here's another issue about Amy Coney uh, Barrett. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, this has been uh, advocated by a lot of uh, lefty uh, thinkers that I've been reading, and that is a critique of the Democratic Party in general spends too much time uh talking about Amy uh, Coney Barrett's attitude on social issues. 
mm-hmm. uh, from everything from uh, abortion uh, uh, to gay rights, et cetera, and so forth. And do not spend as much time uh, discussing her issues on corporate America and empowering corporate America and its ongoing struggle with uh, uh, labor America and that the real service she's going to do for the Republican Party and its right. donor class is Our to eviscerate unions. Yeah. Your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. We'll start with you, Murray. Yeah, I think that they're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And again, like Heidi said a little bit ago, it's a hot button issue. Roe v. Wade, it's the law of the land. If it was, we wouldn't still be in court worrying that it's going to be taken away. It needs to be codified just the way Republicans use it as a weapon to control women. Democrats use it as a hot button issue. Yep. So they want you to get and, and it's much easier to get people passionate about social issues than it is to get people passionate about financial issues. However, if they were smart and called me up because I could have told them all they need to remind people is, hey, you remember how great Bernie Madoff was? Yeah. Well, if she gets in, she's going to allow that kind of crap to happen. Hey, exactly. remember, if you want to take and make. Um, mercenary capitalism, which is really the root of, it was our foundation for our nation, mercantilism, and it is the root of the why we have every problem that we do right now, unbridled capitalism. And you find ways to simplify that, to push the message. But again, you can't argue. I, I think it's just they have to do it strategically as an emotional appeal because of the time. You got to get people hopped up on on their anger for um, losing LGBTQ rights and voting rights. I think that's the only way that they can go at this point. Well, Ben, you know, they use these social issues to pass through these conservative judges that maybe um conservative socially conservative but they're also in favor of of big business and deregulation this is always social issues have always been the backdoor way that republicans get this stuff done and if you saw i don't know if you saw it all uh, lindsey graham's questioning of amy coney barrett i keep calling her comey and it's coney (laughs) amy coney barrett it's better than the name i heard for well, so if you if you saw any of his questioning, one one line that he gave her uh, was in regards to Citizens United, which, of course, she would support and how he's saying that he doesn't know how the left is out fundraising him left and right. He was making a, a statement that we don't need to overturn that because when the left gets going, they really can fundraise. We can fundraise when we see the underpinnings of our society and the things that we hold dear coming to an end, uh, the social issues that the constructs that that keep our citizens safe with LBGTQ rights. I mean, some of the things that have been coming out uh, from the conservative judges have been outrageous Mm -hmm. and terrifying for all of uh, the people that we all know that we see every day that depend on these rights in order to survive. And that's how that's how the Republicans get this stuff through. You pick one on a social issue, you know that they're going to come to heal for all of the, the business issues. I got to tell you, though, Heidi, you know, to, to the, the, I want to reemphasize Lindsey Graham questioning Judge Barrett justified Citizens United. Right. Because the Democrats are outraising him. Can we just stop for a moment and talk yeah. about yeah. how ridiculous that is? I like to I'm, think I'm that he's now. talking about some of the money I've sent Amy McGrath in the four hours a week I spend phone banking for her. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, um, well, this is a tangent I didn't want to go on, but the amount of money that the Democrats have raised uh, in the last week or so to defeat the Lindsey Grahams of the world uh, in one level is inspiring, but in the other level just shows how corrupt the system is. And the fact that this is this is our political system. Exactly. And remember, it was intentionally designed this way. Remember, it wasn't until the 70s that the Senate was actually elected by the people. They were chosen by their House, by their state legislatures to represent. It was their buddies, their pals. That is why you're absolutely right. So you get this group of people and we do it today. We see with the Madigan machine. We see with... The DCCC, they pull people that they want in, and the best candidates don't always win. What's best for the people doesn't win. You're so right. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm not cheering. I'm like, again, in this current construct where it's a, a battle of survival in this country where we right. have lunatics in charge, I appreciate the fact uh, that Jamie Harrison raised all that money. Jamie Harrison is the yeah. Democrat running against. Uh, I said Amy McGrath and yeah. I meant Jamie well, Amy Harrison. McGrath is in uh, Kentucky running against Mitch yeah. McConnell. Uh, yeah. But uh, so I appreciate the fact that this money is coming in. It's unbelievable in my mind. Uh, Heidi and Murray, that Jamie Harrison could possibly, a black man running as a Democrat in the South, could possibly beat Lindsey Graham. It just like blows my mind. To, oh, I still don't believe it's going to happen, by the way. Did still, you hear what Lindsey so. said? Lindsey said, you can be a black man and walk yes. around in South Carolina. You just can't be a Democrat. You got to be conservative. You have to be conservative. You have to uh, subscribe to our values, I think, is the the way he phrased it. It was in a debate Lindsey Graham had with Jamie Harrison. Uh So, you know, so I I am encouraged. I like I understand in the battle survival that we're at now, but I do not believe it's healthy. No, I don't believe it's healthy for democracy to have either party controlled by money so much uh, it just you know it's not healthy go ahead Heidi. we've we've all seen it you and i murray we've all seen candidates that start out with this really high idealistic vision of what they can bring to the table and they get elected and slowly but surely they have to give up some of their position some of what they stand for and stand on to and and they'll call it negotiation backroom deals, whatever you want to do to the things that they were elected on are, are given away because somebody gave them so much money. And Marie and I both know people, we both know candidates are like that. They are controlled by the people that, that help them get elected. And it's really sad because some of these people were really great in it. Now it's like, they're just a shell of themselves with all this turmoil inside. And some of them end up walking away after a while because they can't, they can't be that anymore. And, um, you know, I always tell people when I ran for office, you can't unsee what you see behind the curtain. And once you see it, you're like, Oh my God, do I really want to go behind the curtain? You know? And some days you're like, is there even a point to living? Cause you have no free will. It's not designed for you. But you know, that, that, let's just okay. We'll go to just briefly go to the local. I want to come back to local. I want to talk fair tax with you guys. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but Heidi ran uh, is a Democrat for state senate against Sue Resin, and uh, Murray ran in the uh, Democratic primary uh, for the sixteenth uh, congressional seat, congress, uh, Adam Kinzinger seat. And so here's the deal: in the state of Illinois, 
and you know this, Heidi, better than anyone because you ran a uh, first state office. Yeah. If you're running as a Democrat uh, for a state office and you make it to somehow or other, you make it through the primary uh, to the general more often than not realistically, you're going to have to turn to the powers that be in the Democratic yes. Party for yeah. aid. That means Michael Joseph Madigan in the old days, John Cullerton, okay? Right. Now Don Harmon. You're going to have to turn to them. Meanwhile, Republicans are constantly bashing. Madigan is the head they put on the Democratic Party so yep. that it's difficult for a Heidi Henry or a Murray Briel or any New Deal Democrat running in Trump country to get the vote. Because on one hand, you need Madigan's money. Right. You can't yeah. run without money. On the other hand, if you go too close to Madigan, they'll slam you. And they're lined up to the routers of the world funding those Republicans are such hypocrites. They got the Kenny G's, the Ken Griffins of the world are funding their campaigns. Yes. But Democrats got to be purer than you talk about Madonna's Democrats right. have to be purer than pure when it comes to Michael Joseph Madigan. And I'm through with it. Heidi, I've been saying this for a while. I'm just through with the utter double standards in this state where Republicans yep. ignore Trump and his corruption and pretend that corruption began and end with Michael of Joseph all, Madigan. Of all things, I saw a commercial on TV and I hardly ever watch TV, but I happened to catch an anti Madigan, anti judge Kilbride uh, commercial. And I thought, mm -hmm. how can you tie a justice, a Supreme, Illinois Supreme Court justice, <laughs> Michael Madigan? You know, and I'm, I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I knew he I'm was in a tough race. I didn't realize that it, it's the Illinois policy people. And apparently it's because of uh, the rulings that he gave to help in the pan early days of the pandemic for the governor that has pissed them off. And, and I keep thinking, what is it with Republicans and especially Sue Rezin advocating for a deadly virus? What the hell is that all about? What the hell is that all about? So every time she opens her mouth and I see her, her social media uh, tweets, I think I didn't win against this woman and all she wants to do is open up everything so the virus can win. What the hell? Sorry. I get all worked up. So, <laughs> Well, but we, we Murray and I interview a lot of statewide candidates and they're all kind of caught in that Madigan conundrum. You can't exist without them and you can't exist with them. It's and here's really my advice place. to anybody. You're right, Ben. And there is this purity standard that we're supposed to adhere to. We're supposed to go high. And I personally like my interpretation of it. But, uh, you know, there's this whole Democratic essence that we have to be Madonna's and, and it's bull crap. And you know what? You do what you got to do, which I yeah. understand has to happen, but you have to do it according to yourself. If you're okay and you know, you need the money, you know, you need the help and you're okay with it morally, then go for it. If you're not, then don't. Heidi said, no, I can't. And um, wouldn't play in the sandbox. So yeah, you know, I, well, Murray, I think you, they didn't want me in the sandbox. You know? <laughs> I don't judge anyone they, who plays in the sandbox. Yeah. You do what you got to do. So I get no judgments. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of being realistic. And uh, Michael, if you're running as a Democrat, I'll repeat this. If you're running as a Democrat in your area, you need alliances. You need funds. Yeah. You yeah. need people to help you get out that vote. Right. Uh, and 
what they've done is successfully converted um, Michael Madigan into this caricature. Right. Uh, and that's a very successful character that the Republicans have. And by the way, to, to your point about Kilbride and connecting the Illinois policies, connecting Kilbride to Madigan, they don't need the Republican Party doesn't need anything truthful, Heidi, about it. They're commercials about the fair tax and how they're oh going to it's going to impact people on retired income it's just made up and contrived it's it made the stuff up there, yeah. there is no reality ben and I, i'd like to say this very quickly uh, we can get into the theory at another date perhaps when the pandemic's over and we can have a beer together <laughs> but uh, there's there's uh, and i totally just thought about beer and lost my train of thought so you're off the hook <laughs> beer made me happy All right, well, Mayor made you happy. Go ahead, Heidi. Well, you know, we talk about fair tax and the whole thing with Madigan may end up costing us fair tax. It's not playing really well out here because they have been Illinois policy and, and uh, Ken, uh, Kenny G, Ken Kenny Griffin, G. has, Griffin. you know, he has spent, what is it, $47 million, which is a week's salary for him. Uh, to convince people, working people like me and Murray and you and Dennis, that we're better off paying his taxes for him. Yeah. You know, that's what it comes down to. He has spent all this money. And sometimes I see, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I'll catch one as I'm passing. And I'll think, what the? That's not true. But Democrats want to fight by facts. And we want to fight with our gloves on. And Republicans don't play that way. Illinois policy, we know, is Coke. Coke brother money and they don't care it's Ken Griffin money he doesn't care as long as he can convince working people to do the work and pay his bills for him he's good with it he doesn't care that our schools are starving he doesn't care that the our taxing system is not equitable you know I talk to people that live out by me and I can't believe all the no vote no to fair tax signs that are out there and I'm thinking you all right Heidi I and Ben sorry I talk to good Democrats who are like I don't want that because we we do these lit drops and we do sign pickups and and I talk to folks and they they literally have said to me now I I don't want the fair tax sign right i don't want it and i'm like oh no you want the fair tax sign let's talk about this shall we yeah so then comes the question of raising limits and and those talking points that have been put out there specifically to sabotage it and i said well you know it it will become an issue if you're planning on making four hundred thousand dollars or more anytime in the near future are you and they laugh and i'm like okay well then it doesn't no don't worry about that well, I, I feel uh, I just wrote a comment about this. I feel the, the Democrats messaging is all wrong. Uh, but something else that's I've noticed about the fair tax, the messaging, of course, to, to the point you were making, Marie, should be, hey, this is a tax cut. Vote yes for a tax cut. Right. We're cutting your taxes. And like the notion of fairness. Nobody ever voted for fairness. I can't no. recall fairness. Anybody ever. I want to be fair. Fair people's mind is like a sucker's game. But if you vote for your self-interest, it's like, oh, I'll cut my tax and make Kenny right. G pay more. And so yes, that right. the messaging, I just never bought into the messaging. But there's something else that since I've been uh, thinking about the fair tax and talking to a lot of politicians in uh, the Chicago area, The Democratic Party, the people who are running the fair tax initiative have essentially told the Democratic Party, don't get too involved in this because this is the beauty of what Rauner and Kenny G did. They have turned Madigan and elected officials into these caricatures. And so if 
if Madigan gets strong, too strong behind the fair tax, it plays into the notion that it's special interests from Springfield politicians are trying to take. And so the Democrats are pulling back, man. I'm like, I have never seen a Republican pull back. No, John Trump. You understand what I'm saying? Yep, exactly. Well, when Biden took down those ads when Trump got COVID, I, I, I lost it. I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 you dunk. Double tap. Has anyone never seen a zombie movie? You always double tap. When you got the advantage, go for the kill. Do not back off. Well, and, you know, double the tap. whole impetus behind Heartland Mamas is the fact that the messaging out here to working people beyond, you know, well, um, if it weren't for Mike Madigan, we wouldn't have labor unions. We'd be right to work. That doesn't play out here. So if that's the messaging from west of Will County, there's no messaging. And it's the same thing with fair tax. People are not having it explained. Now, before COVID-19, we had all these fair tax rallies and seminars and stuff we were, we were planning to do out in this area. And, of course, then we have COVID and we can't do that. So where is our plan B? There still isn't a plan B. So many people have voted already. You know, it's like we're we're losing the ground on this issue because we didn't plan and we didn't message appropriately. That's why Murray and I do this every week, because there is no messaging. It's lost out here. It's like screaming into the wind. And and like Katie said, I think messaging in general is jacked. We haven't really taken a look at what people want or need to hear in a long time. And when you start to look at it and not the caricatures and what the media tells you, but really start to talk to people you see how much more persuadable they are by using different ways we need to get out of the thinking that we've done for so long all right now let me uh uh address the topic that i began the show with had a little fun with this uh it's just on my mind to get your thoughts about this um Donald Trump and Republicans talk about having a silent majority of supporters in middle America, in the heartland. And I've been thinking about this, like a lot of liberals are brainwashed by Donald Trump, like he's gotten in their heads and they believe this. But I'm thinking two thoughts here, uh, Heidi and Murray. Number one, Donald Trump supporters are not silent. No, never. They're very loud. They're pounding their chest constantly. They love MAGA. They love Donnie. They go to, they they, they, they would put a tattoo on their nose if they could. Right. They and, follow him like you follow the Grateful Dead. Yes, Seriously. They that's correct. Him. And yeah. you know what? The difference is the Grateful Dead just shared their reefer with you. Donald Trump shares his COVID with them. He's like, <laughs> right? like please cough on me so I can get sick. So they're not silent and they're not a majority. No. They didn't win a majority. So, they, so let me ask. But the, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If, as a Biden supporter in Trump country, yeah. is it intimidating are you afraid to? Okay, talk about that. Well, okay, so so Murray and I have talked a little bit about this because uh, last week, infamously, I was uh, getting trying to get emergency orders of protection from the court because somehow I got on the Grundy County QAnon website. I mean, they they were coming after me, like coming past my house and sending pictures of my home and my family out to people to come and harass me. So I had to go to court and try to get it to stop because I've got veterans with PTSD that come out here for therapy and I've got a lot of children that come out here to ride and I've got these crazy MAGA hat people and Q people that are like 
determined to scare me, which they don't scare me. They just piss me off. And uh, as I was telling Murray earlier today, it doesn't matter how many guns they have. I know I'm a better shot. So <laughs> it's a hard but, mama for you. Go yeah, ahead. Well, you know, I live on a farm. My daddy taught me to shoot, but it's, you can't be, you can't be, let them intimidate. They want to intimidate you. Right. So I've got my defeating Donald Trump, t-shirt on i went to the local kroger this morning and grocery shop like this i'm always you know come at me bro but they want you to live in fear they want you to be so afraid to go and vote they want you to be so afraid to live they want you to be so controlled by fear and you can't and i have to tell you where i live there's three trump flags out because you got to have the merch right if you're a trump supporter and Biden signs everywhere. But they typically sell it on the side of the road without a permit, just FBI, right. at least here. And Wait, come out. I, I go back to what you said, Heidi. There's yeah. Biden signs everywhere. 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 So in our county, we had to buy them. They were like three bucks a piece. So I bought, a, I bought like, I think they came in packs of 10 and I bought three or five packs of 10. I think I'm up to five packs of 10 and then I'll, I'll just give them away, you know? So I know I've helped contribute to this. <laughs> to yeah. The Biden signs that are out there, but I wasn't the only local Democrat that did that. There were so many of us that just made sure that we got the signs to people who are supporters and let them know that, that, you know, we're here, we hear you and we're here to support you. Don't be afraid. We're all in this together. And, and, and- Go ahead, Marie. Heidi, you just you, you said something and it's a little bit different where I am. So I was mentioning that we do these lit drops where it's a virtual lit drop. We hand you a bag with some water bottles and snacks lit. You can hang out a door in a list and you drive through very yeah. safe. And and yet we had signs and it was really interesting. This drop we did, we did off of Route 59, a very busy uh, highway right in front of a store. And we had people off the street pulling in and asking for signs. Yeah. Asking for Biden signs. Interested. And so then as, as one guy came in and he's like, he's like, oh, uh, do, you, do you have a Biden sign? And I said, yeah, we have a Biden sign. Sure, I can give you one. And he goes, but I'm kind of afraid to put it up. They're crazy around here. What if somebody attacks my house? And this is a white guy. 50 some years old who was intimidated to put a sign for the candidate that he supported in his yard because he thought something was going to happen. Now, bless his heart. He said, well, I guess I'm not going to let those assholes get me. And he took the sign anyway, but he really was concerned about doing that. It's a very, it it is. There are people who won't put that in their yard and people I talk to are terrified. And what I really want everyone to remember is Yes. Will they kidnap governors and do they carry torches and guns? Sure. But they're bullies in essence, mentally unstable, yet nonetheless, fundamentally bullies. And what happens when you stand up to a bully? They back down unless they're the unstable ones and then they shoot you. So I'm going to go with probably only a 20 percent option of the bad happening. So I'm a personal. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not wearing your mask. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and just like going to court, these people weren't driving up my driveway to confront me. They were just like racing their engines and, and uh, they call it rolling coal where they burn a lot of diesel. Let me get out my farm trucks. You want to see some diesel burn? Cause mine are old, but you know, <laughs> but 
they'll do stuff like that. But would they come up and talk to me? The one guy who was the worst, the worst of the worst, wouldn't even look me in the eye in court. And he's sitting there pleading with the judge, please, I'm just a family man with little kids at home. And I'm like, who's driving past with fireworks to disturb her farm and livelihood. Yeah, Yeah, you're just a good old boy. So, so when the bully had to stand in front of the judge, he completely backed down. So I look at that as a win-win, right? You know, bullies back down and, uh, you know. Did you, what did the judge rule? Because it was mostly on social media, she, she ruled, she admonished them not to go further. And uh, all three of them admonished them not to go th- further because if I found my way there once, I'll find my way there again. Advised me to consider a civil suit, which I do have uh, against the one guy that's just a family man, mm. um, because that one got really egregious. And advised them to take down anything referring to me. So I didn't prevail. But at the same time, um, you know, it's okay. It's quieted down now. Things seem to be much more level. Uh, and we keep the horses at the back of the property. You would have to hike two miles to get into my place where they're at right now. And if my dog doesn't eat yet, the electric fence will. <laughs> <So. laughs> okay. By the way, I forgot to mention that Heidi Henry uh, is a horse trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a horse. I won't go near a horse. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this to you, Heidi. I'm so afraid of horses. You can't get on to no. come out sometime. I'm, I'm going to look at the horse. Oh, it's a nice looking horse. Like we eat. Uh, but, uh, I'm not getting on that horse. Not from the horse riding. Challenge accepted. Oh, no. Don't do that. Oh, no. Oh, come on, Maria. Would be a, can you imagine the remote we could do on horseback, man? Come on. I would, uh, I would die on the horse. <laughs> I'll just have to video it. Uh, all right. Now, uh, so what's your thoughts about the 16th Congressional District? Both of you will start with you, Murray. You ran there last time. Danny B is running up against uh, Adam Kinzinger now. Um, the last I saw, well, I haven't seen a poll in a while, but uh, my guess is it's an uphill climb. What's your thoughts on if the Democrats can pull a victory there like they did with Lauren Underwood in the 14th uh, in the last go around? Go ahead. Um I don't know. I think it will definitely be closer than the race was between Adam and Sarah. Uh, I know that, you know, Danny has been doing a lot of work and she has something this time that no one has had. She has Dick Durbin's support. And like we talked about politics, when you have Dick Durbin's support, you also have Jan Schakowsky, you have Robin Kelly, you have, um, you know, Lauren Underwood. And with all of that comes name recognition. I don't know. I haven't looked at the financials. I don't know if it's translating into cash, but she's getting a lot of coverage in far as that. If she hasn't made a big dent cash wise, which I sat down and talked to her a year ago about running and what my experience was. And cash is the most important thing. You have to remember this district is 1,700 miles long from point to point. Mm. It encompasses 16 counties. I put tens of thousands of miles on my car, and there's no. There's some small urban centers, 
but it's mostly rural. There's not a way to, to knock every door like you can in a Lauren Underwood district. And even that's virtually impossible. Um, so money, whether we like it or not, is the only way to reach those voters out there. And, yeah. you know, I haven't I haven't seen any polls lately. I'd love to see him go. Woo, that'd be delightful. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go. I know she's created excitement, which is amazing. And like, we talked about, you know, until you get that excitement, somebody to get behind, then it might not work out this time, but you're building momentum for next. So, mm. yeah. Heidi, how do you see it, Heidi? Well, you know, my daughter and I were, um, have also been passing out Danny signs, uh, trying to get those out. So when I can get a group of them together, uh, I make sure they get them to supporters. Okay. And make sure that there there's signage out there because there isn't a, an awful lot and the financials aren't great. The, the problem with the 16th is it's very rural. And recently, within the last few weeks, I pulled up what um, the farm subsidies were for the 16th. Mm. Even though we have a trade embargo, tariff, whatever you want to call it, for corn and soybeans, um, Pritzker took care of a lot of that and made sure that they were sold to other countries. I think Taiwan was our biggest buyer. Uh, the problem was, is, is that they got record subsidies. We have a church in town that usually gets about $600, six $700 a year in farm subsidies for their acreage that they cash rent. They got almost $20,000 last year. So when you're competing with that kind of money that comes in from those farm subsidies, that's what Danny Brzezowski is up against. She's coming up with, coming up against votes that were purchased for Adam Kinzing are using our tax dollars yeah. for farm subsidies. Now I'm in the horse industry. We don't get, we're in ag. We have to file our taxes as ag, but we get zero subsidies. So no matter how bad things got during COVID, there is nothing there for us. Right. But she's got to face that. Now my whole thing is, I think she's going to give him a run for his money. She, she smoked him uh, on the on-air debate in, on a local radio station a few weeks ago. It was really great. But I don't think, I don't see it going her way. I could be completely wrong. I think she's going to get a lot of pull because it's going to be a very Democratic year. The one thing I do see is that with the census just completing, we're going to lose Adam Kinzinger, thank God, because because he is the do-nothing representative, the absentee Adam that we've all known and grown to hate. You know, he's been my representative for, you know, after Jerry Weller, I had him. So I haven't had good congressional representation. The only thing I hope is that when they get rid of the 16th, that I'll default to the 14th and have Lauren Underwood. Because I do phone bank for her. I have walked for her in the past. I absolutely adore her. And I just feel I'd be like... Cool Districted into Lauren because oh I'm like gosh, everybody's congressman. Well, but, you know, he's, yeah, he's well, a Democrat. He's a scientist. It's cool. Yeah, you have Foster. You know, when I ran, I had uh, different um, Congress people. I had Foster and Underwood, and uh, and I got to meet Sean Caston. And then there's Adam Kinzinger. You know, you get those three superstars, and then you get Adam Kinzinger. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, this is the. Uh, 
uh, what Heidi was talking about is redistricting is done every 10 years. Yep. Uh, the state of Illinois, uh, relative to the rest of the country, is losing population. So it will lose. It's so bizarre. We have a system, folks, that's set up these redistricting. The reason they do redistricting, just follow me in this. I'm going to go on a tangent here because it all relates to Amy Coney Barrett. We're going to end where we began. So the reason we do redistricting is because of this principle. One person, one vote. Every congressional district has to be roughly the same number of people who live in it because you don't want one district to have more representation than others. So, for instance, if you had a district with 10,000 people, let's say, uh, and a district with 20,000 people, the district with 10,000 would get more representation because there's fewer people for the congressperson. And yet that's our principle when it comes to aldermen and state senators right. and state reps and yep. congressmen. And yet, when it comes to the most important position in American politics, the president of the United States, we have an electoral college in which Wyoming has a greater say than California. California. Yeah, so why do we have one man, one vote, one woman, one vote as a principal in congressional districts and we open window and throw it out when the presidential? Well, it's just it's just like our the amount of senators we have. I, how many senators should California have? A whole lot more than they have now because they're bigger than I think. What is L.A. County? Even if you want to keep it equal and you want to say everyone gets two, which I understand because you do have the House that gets more. You know, we need to make sure that all of those territories have representation from senators. Mm-hmm. And that means American Samoa, whether or not it's, you know, crazy Tulsi Gabbard, where she did win America Samoa, by the way, uh, in the primary, uh, whether it's American Samoa or Puerto Rico. Go or DC. Or Washington, yeah. Uh, or to David Ferris, the political scientist, comes on the show from time to time yes. uh, and says, just take California, make it seven states. And here's the the Ben theory. I've been feel free to take this and claim it as your own. I don't even care. You want to end it? You're never going to change the electoral college. Uh, it's going to be too difficult as a constitutional amendment. It would take too long. The Democrats are too chicken to do stuff like that anyway. Yeah. So just yeah. move everybody from California to Texas. Bada boom, bada bing. We just solved. You make Texas a blue state, and then you will hear the sobbing from the Sioux resins of the world and the Adam <laughs> Kinzinger sobbing. And Amy Coney Barrett will be issuing rulings. Oh, my God, this is not fair. One person, one vote. When they're getting screwed by the system, those Republicans, Heidi and Murray, Listen. will be crying like the little babies that they are. Go ahead. Yes. We were just talking about David Ferris's book about fighting dirty. We were just talking about that last week because it's one of my favorite books and why we should fight dirty because we don't. We, we sit here and, you know, have clean hands for everything. And we can't we can't imagine getting down and rolling in the in the dirt with the Republicans. And part of me doesn't want to do that. But at the same time, when they ram Amy Coney Barrett through, we yeah. need to just come in and go bigger Supreme Court. Yeah. And, oh, they're, yeah. and that's funny, man. That's so funny. in the debates. Like yeah, Trump, I know. Trump and uh, Pence, like they got something. And Murray and Heidi, I'm telling you right now, they keep bellowing at the Democrats. Right. Packing the court. What is it? And my, my, my voters don't even know what packing the court means. Oh, you know, and they, they talked about that today. Today, Mike Lee from Utah 
Can I have Mike oh, Lee? Mike Lee from Utah, Mr. COVID. I'm clear from COVID, even though I never took a test and I came back and spread it everywhere in person in the Senate hearing, spewing his vitriol, is talking about how the Democrats are stacking the court and what that really means. And he goes through this whole litany and then he proceeds to say, well, you know, there are those that we know a judgeship comes open. We fill it. That's not stacking the court. The absurdity. I, I, my son is is a senior in high school and he's taking college rhetoric class. And one of the first parts of his semester was uh, talking about all of the logical fallacies and how to build an argument, ethos, pathos, logos. Uh, right. And, and I sw- it, we all know what they are, but it was delightful to have the refresher. Every time a GOP opens at my, their mouth, you could take bets on what fallacy is going to come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at the thought of trying to teach kids uh, civics or uh, principles of rhetoric when you watch the, the debate with Donald Trump where rules were laid out and Donald Trump broke every rule. And so now you're trying to teach civics to a uh, high schooler in Illinois without offending MAGA. See, because MAGA cries uh, whenever you criticize yep. them and they say you're being you're picking on us. Oh, uh, typical bully. <laughs> I know a typical bully. But here's Trump broke every rule. Yeah. So you're trying to mm-hmm. teach a kid in high school that you're supposed to abide by rules. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the guy who got to be president of the United States. He broke every rule. Uh, so good luck to that poor civics teacher or the rhetoric teacher who has to teach uh, high school kids to abide by the rules. Guys, we're out of time for the show. Uh, one more time, Heidi, tell people where they can hear the Heartland Mamas. Uh, can, go ahead. You can find us. Um on every podcast platform. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us at heartlandmamas.com. You can find us live streaming on Tuesdays and Thursday on Facebook. Come find us there. And uh, we're also carried on the Demcast USA network. So um, so any of those places you can find us. And we would love your input and suggestions for shows because everybody keeps asking what are you going to do after trump loses listen that's when the real work begins yes. because exactly as democrats we've got to make sure we hold those those uh we absolutely. hold congress so absolutely and, uh, uh, you, all right you got you guys are going to be jumping on uh right after us right you guys are going to be Hi, coming up today two of you yeah not today we spent we spent the day with you guys oh that's very nice well guys find them on facebook and go check out their uh their show that's going to be coming up very soon all right very good thank you much heidi thank you thank you for having us we love you guys yeah good to talk to you take care now Thank you Bye-bye. very much. All right, Dee, before you head out the road, what you got for me? Oh, I have updates. That's what I got for you, buddy. How about them Heartland Mamas, by the way? I love the Heartland Mamas. And I tell you, folks, uh, I met. it was Heidi that I met two years ago. And so, you know, I figured, like, she pulled her punch because she was running in red country. So I figured she would be sort of like, you know, like a Pete Buttigieg type. You know, or an Amy Klobuchar shirt. No, <laughs> she like let that freak flag fly. And I was like, I love the Heartland Mamas. And you know, we got to get you on so, a horse, man. We could do a live broadcast from a horse, right? Yeah. That'd be fun. No, it, it would not be fun. You can go on the horse. I'll is, watch. Is there a cigarette I'll, plug on this horse? I need to plug my board in. <laughs> You're not getting me on a horse. They move. Dennis, did you know that the horse moves? Yeah, like, just, just, hell yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> Get on a saddle. (laughs) Oh, that's good.
Hey, it's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Oh, man. Whoa. Whoa. All right. The magic number is now 21. 21 days until election day. 21 days until our Illinois general election. We got two ads to play for you here. Our first of two Illinois political ads comes out of our Illinois Senate election between incumbent Democrat Dickie D, Dick Durbin. Oh, hello. Is your phone ringing? Hello. Hold on one second. Hold on. How many times have I told you not to call? Now, fellas, I know... I know you're upset with the coverage we gave your commercial last week, but that it was all wrong, fellas. It's Phyllis Dave from the Fair Tax commercial. She's been calling me nonstop. Well, Phyllis Sorry, needs to dude. knock it off, all right? Just because we're playing Canada ads doesn't mean we're going to play Phyllis's ad, all right? She must have heard that we were playing ads. It's not your she, ad, Phyllis. <laughs> <laughs> Phyllis. Good <laughs> oh, Lord. Phyllis. Uh, sorry, Dave. Distracted by Phyllis. No, no, not a problem at all. Not a problem. All right. Uh, so uh, we have two ads here. Our first of two Illinois political ad comes out of the uh, Illinois Senate election between incumbent Dickie D. Dick Durbin and his challengers, Mark Curran of the Republican Party, David Black of the Green Party, Danny Maloof of the Libertarian Party, and Willie Wilson of the Willie Wilson Party. <laughs> Uh, that's that makes awesome. it easy that's yeah. awesome uh, this ad comes from the incumbent and in this latest Dick Durbin ad Durbin trolls President Trump and lets the people of Illinois uh, lets them know that he can indeed fight bullies I guess here's the ad from Dickie D of course he's a big bully our senator brought him down to size. I said no way when Trump tried to kick more than half a million people off health insurance. I fought back when he played games with protective gear and pandemic relief for Illinois. And I stopped Donald Trump from cutting funding for medical research. I'm Dick Durbin. My job is to stand up for you. That's why I approve this message. Dick Durbin, a senator for times like these. Wait, how come I can't get any of these commercials? Jake Durbin. I do it. I've, I've been doing that voice for years. <laughs> Jake Durbin. Uh, you don't wake up Jake. early enough. All the gigs go before 8 o'clock a.m. Damn, you're bright. You know you're right. The early bird gets the worm. Yeah, man. I wake up the worm. Where are the worms? Uh, the bird <laughs> got them already. Yeah. Jake Durbin. <laughs> Dickie, by the way, he's pretty good, too. Durbin. I stand up to bullies. He, he should be, uh, you know, auditioning for a voiceover. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dick Durbin. I'm broadening my career. Come here, you dirty punk. <laughs> he beats up bullies. Yeah, it's a good ad. You know, I don't like bullies. Donald Trump is a big bully. Good ad. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that ad from Dickie Durbin. He enjoys the ad. Been out of a one to five stars. How many stars would you give that? 
82. Oh, my. I said <laughs> one to five. 82. Uh, uh, I got to vote for Durbin. Yes. Uh, my late mom, may she rest in peace, loved Dick Durbin. One time, I forget who it was. Uh, somebody that know, knew that my mom was a fan of Dick Durbin. Uh, got him to sign an autograph for her. She oh. loved Dick Durbin. They had Paul Simon. She had uh, she she had a softness for downstate Dems, and I do too. Any Dem from downstate got the guts to run in Alton, you know, uh, like Bobby Diber. Uh, I just a lot of respect for them. You know what I'm saying? You were talking about all those signs that you saw, Pritzker sucks signs, Trump signs. Bob Diber had the guts to run as a New Deal Democrat in that area. That takes fortitude and courage. And Durbin's cut uh, from, and we learned last week, uh, Durbin is from uh, East St. Louis, right? Isn't that what we learned last week, D? Yeah, I believe so. I thought, it was from, I thought it was from Alton, but Frank corrected me. He's from uh, East St. Louis. So, uh, got a lot of respect, um, for Dems from the downstate area. And Ben, you'd be happy to know that uh, I saw a lot of Bob Diber ads as well. We got to get down to business. <laughs> That's right. He's running for county board. Isn't that right? Do I have that right? Yeah. He's running for county yeah. board president. Yep. So uh, big, big fan of Bob Diber. All right. Democrat. Now, our second ad is much more serious. And to be 100% honest, 100 times better. Me personally, not a big fan of that Dick Durbin ad. Had goofy sound effects on it and everything. Uh, this ad comes from another Democratic incumbent after her Republican challenger, Pat O'Brien, went on the attack, releasing a Trump-like ad against her. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox is firing back at O'Brien in a big way. This Kim Fox ad features the Rossetti Four. These are the four men wrongfully convicted of the murder of Chicago medical student Lori Rossetti in 1986. Ben, I uh, had you watch the ad. Uh, your thoughts on it before we play this. Well, this is actually a very serious and profound ad, uh, all kidding aside. And uh, Lori Rossetti, uh, as Steve was saying, 1986, it was a, a very gruesome murder, a very shocking murder. She was a uh, uh, medical student, uh, I want to say Rush, uh, to Rush University, maybe University of Chicago, whatever. She was a West Side medical student, uh, and uh, she was abducted, and she was raped, and she was murdered, and it was a very upsetting, gruesome murder, as I said. Uh, and um, uh, four young men, four teenagers were rounded up, um, and this is justice, criminal justice system in the United States in the 1980s, folks, uh, and confession somehow or other after 15 hours of interrogation, uh, they can, I, I, oh, but can I give a shout out to Eric Zorn yeah. from the Chicago Tribune? Easy. Yeah, he has been on this issue. I don't know any other, uh, writers mainstream writers anyway who've been on this issue so i make fun of the tribune a lot uh, because they got some of the daffiest right wingers but easy eric zorn did a great job on this one shout out to you eric and um yeah so uh, pat o'brien are we gonna you're gonna play the ad d yeah okay well pat o'brien who's running against um kim fox ran an absolutely despicable ad that we played last week. He should be ashamed of himself. And by the way, any anyone who votes for Pat O'Brien should be ashamed of themselves after that ad. Now, I, I understand if you're MAGA, hardcore MAGA, that's your guy. I get it. 
But if you're like one of these good government types that really kind of annoy me these days, these lakefront liberal types who are upset about Smollett Gate, this is what Eric Zorn's point was. That you vote for Pat O'Brien, his commercial is disgusting. Save Chicago. Like there's hordes of criminals of descending on the city and Kim Fox is allowing them just to prey on people. That's the kind of mentality that Pat O'Brien's putting out there. And this is a guy who was a state's attorney looking the other way all those years in the 80s when there was just criminal injustice going on in our system. They rounded up these four guys. They got confessions out of them. Um, they, they were they were twi- their arms were twisted to put it mildly into making these confessions, and then years later, DNA tests exonerated them, and they had to be let go. And so Eric Zorn was questioning Pat O'Brien about this, and man, Mister Self Righteous criticizing Kim Fox for her handling of Smollett Gate is like habada habada. He didn't have a all legalistic answers. That's what they they get all lawyer like when they want to defend themselves. You know, when they were going after those four guys, they weren't lawyer-like. They were like, this is what they did. Throw them in a jail. Right is right. But when they, when you f- turn the tables and you expose their misbehavior, well, you know, they, uh, man, you know the, the law, specifically uh, eight, Section 842 of the Criminal Code, get all lawyer-like. So, uh, good shout out to Eric Zorn for pointing out how Pat O'Brien, I think Eric had some line of something like Smollett Gate is an embarrassment, uh, but uh, what Pat O'Brien did in the lawyer uh, study case uh, is a travesty with some line like that. So, D, go ahead, play the commercial. Shout out to Eric Zorn as well. Uh, thank you very much, Eric Zorn, for listening to the program. How about the guests, huh? They're sounding real good these days. Here's the latest <laughs> ad. From Kim Fox. I'm sitting down in the Pat O'Brien office. I'll never forget what this man told me. Never. He said, we know y'all ain't do this crime. But it's a white woman from Springfield. Somebody got to pay for this crime. Patrick O'Brien secured for wrongful convictions. He's running on a campaign that you got to look out for victims. And here this guy is uh, running for office knowing that he sent four innocent teenagers to prison and allowed the, the killer of the victim to roam free. I was facing death in that police station. The police came in there with gloves on. They started beating me. They had me in there first trying to break me. And I was told, um, going to get a confession, not you, one way or the other. Now, Patrick O'Brien was in the position to declare us innocent, but instead of doing that, they decided to allow the blood of this beautiful lady to be paired on us. Patrick O'Brien cannot be the one to lead the criminal justice system in reform because he's the ones responsible for various wrongful convictions. It's not just about this case. Pat O'Brien has a record of wrongful conviction. A state's attorney should stand for fairness and justice and ethics. And that's what Kim Fox represents. She actually represents integrity. We have a person here that's willing to uh, bring honor to the oath, the officer. She'll give people a chance to better their life. I refuse to lose hope in humanity. 
And I know that there are people out here that will do what they say they're going to do. And Kim Fox, I believe, is one of them. And a lot of people that looking forth to justice, that deserve it, they'll see it with Kim Fox in office. Yeah. So those are the uh, the four men. I can't. Uh, Omar Saunders, uh, Larry Owens. I can't think of all the names off the top of my head uh, who were railroaded back in the uh, 80s for a murder they didn't commit uh, a horrible uh, murder. And by the way, so the DNA evidence, um, two other men have been are convicted or in jail for the murder, but they were railroaded and uh, unfairly sent uh, to prison. And so those are the voices that you hear of the men who were unfairly sent. They're, they're pushing 50 if they're not already in their 50s. D. It's a long time ago, 86. Uh, so they're in their 50s. And you you see these men, and middle-aged men, and you hear those voices, and you realize they were in prison for all those years. And this is, this is what Chicago and Cook County and our whole country is confronting. We pretend like we're not. You know, we, we, we pretend like this, this, this entire history, Jim Crow, slavery doesn't exist. And uh, throw the hammer at Kim Fox for Smollett Gate. That's just unbelievable. I, you know what? The mainstream journalist, I think Eric Zorn's about the only one who's earned the right to criticize Kim Fox for Smollett Gate. If you're a Tribune editorial writer and you're silent, for what Patrick O'Brien did in this travesty, you don't get the right, in my humble opinion, to criticize Kim Fox for Smollett Gate. Because it's either like you're, you have standards or you don't have standards. You're either gonna hold Republicans to the same standards you hold Democrats, or it's just a political game. And I'm so sick of playing that game. All these years, been writing these stories about Democrats and all these Republicans. Good job, Ben, keep up the good work. And I'm like, well, where are you guys with Trump? Well, <laughs> you just keep working at it, Ben. So Eric Zorn has earned the right, in my humble opinion, to be critical of Kim Fox. But the rest of you guys, Smollett Gate, Smollett Gate, Smollett Gate. Well, what about what Pat, uh, Pat, Patrick O'Brien did? Well, Ben, that was in 1986. What about Smollett Gate? Gate, gate, gate. So anyway. A very powerful, powerful commercial. Yeah, yeah very. very, very powerful from Kim Fox. And that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. <laughs> oh, you like that? <laughs> reverb. I love reverb. Man. All right, <laughs> people, it's only Tuesday. All right. I got a feeling there's going to be a lot more general election candidate updates to come this week on the Ben Jarofsky show. Make sure to follow us online, everybody, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get your message read on the air, leave your name and where you're from. It really helps. Uh, also, you can call us. Yes, we have a phone number. We're not going to answer. Just leave us a voicemail. <laughs> Seven, hello, Ben Jarofsky Show. Yeah, I'm cooking dinner. What are you doing? That's it's not going to happen. All right. 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. Yes, we would. All right. I want to thank the Heartland Mamas. They did a great job, as they always do. Uh, Heidi Henry and Murray Brill love talking to the Heartland Mamas about politics. And, of course, 
the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all. And they're crying and all. And he was here this week and he's gone. They go, bring him back. We want him. Bring him back. That's actually my nephew. Yeah. Uncle D. <laughs> and as ne- little nephew will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. get down to business don't believe me well consider these facts don't believe me well consider these facts the first cell phone was invented here so was the first television remote control 